Hi there, this is Jonathan at PureAndSimpleBible.com. I'm very thankful that you're with me today. Grateful to have another, another opportunity to record a podcast and have so many people around the country listen along. It is a conversation. Last time I recorded, it was just me. This week, I've got Brother Kevin Fox joining me. He was just here hosting a gospel meeting along with Isaac Moreno at our congregation, the Valley Parkway Church of Christ. And I was able to snag him into the studio, and we had a discussion about worthiness. That was the theme of our gospel meeting. And the meeting's over. Sorry, you won't be able to come and join us for that. But this was an excellent conversation about worthiness and a specific example in the Bible of worth from our perspective, and then also from a heavenly perspective. Let's jump into it, shall we? One of the first things I like to do is, for people who may not know you, just to say who you are, where you're from, what you do. So even though we know each other, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? I guess what I'm most famous for concerning this podcast is being the one who administered the wedding vows to (laughs) Jonathan and Marissa. (laughs) That's right. That happened just a back in in the olden days when you had hair. Oh man, thanks for reminding (laughs) me. (laughs) And uh, here I am uh, preaching without hair, and (laughs) as the older preacher with a younger preacher, Mm -hmm. and I guess now proud husband of Marcy and father of four. Mm-hmm. And my most important obligation right now is to train out my children. Amen. And I've served the church in Midland and Odessa area specifically for 18 plus years now. Grew up in California, but I'm a true transplanted Texan. I'm proud of my California roots and. I'm also thankful to live and be a part of the community in Midland. So that tells me you're a Rangers fan then instead of some California League teams. Well, I appreciate the Rangers. (laughs) I'm thankful when the the Cowboys are winning because people in the church are happier. Yeah. (laughs) So I do root for them, but uh, the Dodgers are still in my consideration, the best team in baseball. Thanks for getting that out of the way here early, Jonathan. Yeah, I I just, I heard in the ether subscriptions decreasing on my podcast as all the Giants fans. (laughs) All all you Giants fans (laughs) from the Central Valley, please don't send your hate mail to Jonathan Edwards. Please direct it straight to me. We can can handle it. Mm -hmm. And we've we've known each other for many, many years, uh, decades. And we've traveled internationally together. Um, you were you were part of the preaching, the young men preaching at big gospel meetings. That when I was not even teenager yet, you know, it was you and um, your your brother in law Sean Willis, uh, Darren Smith was part of that, and maybe some others as well. But like those, the young men's nights at the New Year's meeting at Sulphur, you know, any of those big gospel meetings. That was always just such a, a thrill for me looking up five years at the guys who were the older teens doing that. And I you know, I, I look at it now and I, I hope that there's some of that same 
respect and admiration for, you know, even in the same generation, but just on the younger side to the elder getting to look up at it. So I remember fondly the, the days back when I could give a five-minute sermon. <laughs> <laughs> I guess looking back at those times, it really was uh, a formative period and uh, exciting to see uh, younger men uh, be trained up now. And uh, it, it is good to think back to those times. And occasionally when I do think about getting up a message and how difficult it was initially to get up a message for five minutes and then mm -hmm. you grow old, get gray hair and become bald and you think, how could I possibly give a lesson <laughs> that that's so short? But and you think back, well, maybe maybe it's a good thing to think about how I can just consolidate material into one thing that everybody's going to remember. Yeah. So yeah, those were were good days and good times. Amen. But no, my lesson tonight will not be five minutes. <laughs> nor will this podcast, I think. Yeah. Well, you say tonight. So for those that uh, you're going to be listening to this, and and the real time is over, right? So it'll be in the past, but we're speaking in present tense. You're up at Valley Parkway, which is the, the church in, of Christ in Louisville where I work and worship with. You're up helping host a gospel meeting for us this week, uh, a Wednesday through Sunday meeting. We've got Isaac Moreno here with us. Jacob McKitty was going to join, but we're going to have him come back up later on. And um, so you guys are talking about worthiness is kind of a, a broad theme for what you want to accomplish. Uh, for those who may be intrigued by that, give us a soundbite for kind of your motivation for that. What's the purpose of this this gospel meeting for you as the speaker? It's amazing how Scripture defines Jesus as one who is worthy. Mm -hmm. One word, worthy. Worthy, as we think of Jesus, is the one who deserves to be in a position of authority, yet chooses to rule in such a way as to take us who are worthless and sometimes feeling absolutely pointless or purposeless and give us worth. And I think it's easy for us to lose sight of who is actually worthy. And then if we lose sight of the one who is actually worthy, we can have a very misguided view of our worth. Mm -hmm. And the general picture of the Gospels is that Jesus is absolutely the one who is in authority. He is the one who is worthy. Then he proves it, and everyone that he comes into contact with are individuals who might have been cast out or looked on as worthless right. by those in their society that were, quote-unquote, determining their worth. But Jesus elevates them. He lifts them up. And so I hope the more we focus on the worth of Jesus, the greater our appreciation can be for who we are, because we sometimes just ask the question, we'll hear different messages as younger people or as adults of who are we, what determines my value, how much am I worth, 
Just think of that question. How oh, many? Man. I don't know, Jonathan. What do you, What do you think when when somebody says, "Hey, what are you worth?" What What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Uh, assets and how little I have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> and uh, yeah, specifically, we've what's your net worth? Right, right, right. When when we refinance our house, and they're like, "Put all your assets in this column, and all of your debts in this column." Man, that's surreal. I know there's there are are those that are very fortunate and can list a whole lot of asset and not a lot of debt. I also know a lot of people who may have absolutely nothing and tremendous debt. We're all maybe on a spectrum of that, but that's a extremely humbling question and process of putting down what you're worth. So as Americans, we you know think of our worth as what we get to put down uh-huh. in, the, in those columns and then uh, what the, the combination sum comes out to. Yeah. But... If I'm perhaps a teenager in high school right now or a college student, I might have my worth attached to how many followers I have. That's I might, a good point. I might have my worth daily attached by how many likes yeah. I have when when I get up in the morning yeah. on something that I posted yesterday. And what's crazy is it's almost as though we've gone through an experiment over the past year and a half with COVID right off the bat. In our state and in many other states, uh, our governors and judges and whoever was in charge of the executive orders were saying, stay at home unless you're essential. And that whoever determined what essentiality was, there was hundreds of thousands of people who woke up one day thinking about themselves, I am essential, I am worthy. And the next day they came to the shocking conclusion, they don't see me as worthy and you want to talk about a, a spike in identity crisis is uh, recognizing that the worth that maybe you thought or that that seemed tangible is washed away when we come to a realization that our perception of our own value doesn't match up with what other people say it can become a crisis of significant proportions Mm, mm -hmm. and in in walks depression in in walks uh, just despondency and i think a lot of people have gone through that in the past year or two oh yeah because of this uh, deeming who is essential and and who is not and then i think sometimes just having to sit at home and look around and not be distracted by going out and going to do things or experience things that get us distracted from Mm -hmm. where our real value is. Mm -hmm. And instead we have to sit at home and stare at those around us. And we wonder, wait, where have I really been placing my value? What is my real worth? And so it's really a a time of self-evaluation and, and hopefully prayerfully, we can come to the conclusion that our worth is actually determined by the one who created us. Mm-hmm. Amen. Shocker. <laughs> isn't that, isn't that yeah. s- such a, uh, an amazing thing that yeah. if we realize the one who created us gets to determine our value and nobody else can touch that, then we can go through life with a very humble spirit, a very grateful spirit, right. yet a very 
confidence, right. boldness, knowing right. that I can approach the throne of the creator of the universe through yeah. Jesus Christ because yeah. he's the one who gets to determine how much I'm worth. Yeah, yeah, and you get to do that whether your asset column is, uh, you've run out of space on the page or whether you can't even start to write the first item is you're flipping a mindset to, I'm no longer the one who's filling this out. God's filled out what the asset is, what the, the debt is, how the debt was paid, there's, there's some great connections here. Oh, it's it's incredible. And and thankfully, uh, we don't have to determine our value by how many subscribers are mm-hmm. uh, on this podcast. But if you do want to subscribe, that really helps <laughs> get it out, right? Thank you. I, I'll, I'll cut you that check that in, for hey, endorsing there's the, this there's program. there's the plug. <laughs> <laughs> I have one thought, and we'll see if it makes the cut, um, because maybe it's time to, to jump into this. But it was helpful for me when I lived through it. So this is one of those lived experience moments that goes along with what we're saying. Um, when we lived in Cambodia, you're starting over. So we moved to Cambodia with, with 10 suitcases. We had to come home with 10 suitcases that each weighed 50 pounds, right? And uh, in the course of three years, you move somewhere with 10 suitcases, you're starting with nothing. But after three years, we had acquired a house worth of goods and we paid dearly for some of those things because we were foreigners and to get what we thought an American needed to have to be comfortable, um, we had to pay for it. Well, when we left, you can't take everything with you. You could only take 10 suitcases. And we had garage sales. We had, you know, uh, their equivalent of Craigslist. But at the end of the day, the day before we left, I still had a living room worth of junk stuff. And my suitcases were filled, 50 pounds each. I had the little hand weight thing, right? So there was not one more thing coming. And I looked at that, all that stuff that was packed up in the corner of the room, and it meant nothing to me because I wanted to go home. And I, that stuff, which I paid dearly for at one point in my life, and I valued, I stressed, you know, how are we going to get this or that? I looked at it, and it was meaningless. And in that moment, I was like, whoa. How often do I have junk in my life that I'm so anxious about, stressed about? But when I when I get that mindset fixed of I'm going home, you know, I want to be with God. Suddenly that stuff is meaningless. So it's kind of like what you want to do with this series is you're trying to help us flip a mindset off of our junk that we've been attached to on this side of eternity and pack our bags for the other side. Absolutely. And and maybe we feel this most because, uh, as the famous hashtag says, first world problems, right? <laughs> we, we, might, we might have a struggle with this here in the lap of luxury, relatively speaking to the world, that uh, other places do not have. Mm-hmm. And so we become much more attached to worth or value in what we've been able to experience, where we've gone, what our kids are accomplishing, uh, what my friends think about me, how much money I have in my bank account. And by the way, those are all just personal confessions. <laughs> that's, uh, that, that's, that's me. That's, that's where I uh, struggle on the daily. And so it's not something that I'm sharing from, hey, listen, I've conquered this and let me tell you how to, yeah. it's, 
it's just the the battle where every day we have to decide who's on the throne of our hearts. Mm-hmm. And Amen. the reality is uh, Jesus is on the throne. He is worthy. He has all authority. Mm-hmm. He's not going anywhere. And he's the one who gets to determine my value. And so I might as well live for the things and seek first the things that uh, determine my my heavenly worth. Amen. And that's the beauty of living the Christian life. That's right. That's right. And I know as we as we talk about this, I'll just hope that this does make the cut because what I enjoy <laughs> about a podcast is just being able to talk extemporaneously. Mm-hmm. And uh, this actually is not what we sat down and said, <laughs> hey, let's talk about this. But it's where the conversation is going. I'll just yeah. bring up, I think, a story in the Gospels where Jesus determines someone's worth very explicitly when others had brought the person to Jesus with the purpose of devaluing her worth. And that's Ah. the story that's only recorded in John where a sinful woman, uh, a woman caught in the act of adultery, Mm is brought to the feet of Jesus. Not for any purpose other than to say, let's make an example of her. I don't know if you thought much about this story or or studied it before. Certainly, uh, but I'm always willing to talk more about it. So where are we going? Well, I would would love to hear your thoughts on it, but I, I wonder... As she laid there on the ground because they brought her to the the feet of Jesus. And just in my my mind, I have this huge commotion. It it says, while Jesus was teaching, if I remember correctly, Mm -hmm. they they brought her. So uh, Jesus is involved in in a discourse, and we're not told what he was teaching about necessarily. It's just that this was an interruption to the teaching. And so you can kind of imagine if if we're listening to someone teach and all of a sudden we hear this commotion and and probably some shouts and some screams and right. some anger mm-hmm. and then of course uh, this is uh, first century uh, Israel so we've got dust uh, flying in the air <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden the crowd parts and this woman is thrown down at mm-hmm. the feet of Jesus mm-hmm. what must she have thought about oh, her yeah. worth? And she she didn't get to explain in any way her side of the narrative. You know, the only person that speaks is a religious leader that says we caught her in adultery in the very act. And, man, that silence is heavy because I imagine the only sound really that you're hearing is her sobs. And it's probably palpable just... The, the religious fervor, everybody in there, because they've only heard th- what this man has said and they're interested in how Jesus is going to respond, is looking at her in a way where she's of zero value to probably everyone in there but one. Zero value. And it says that he was actually teaching in the temple when they brought. That adds a an element of value and of worth uh, to the situation. This mm-hmm. this was the 
of course, they didn't bring her into the most holy place, but they, they brought her into a, a place that was known as a place where holiness dwelt. Yeah. And they were so consumed with confronting Jesus with, a, op, with an opportunity to destroy his credibility that they drag her in to challenge his assessment, his judgment of value on the situation. I'll tell you one more thing maybe to enhance the narrative about how she may have felt and talking about where she is. When we, we used to worship in a hotel conference room, uh, and in that hotel there's a swimming pool outside, and so we'd have our little sign on the door, and uh, a lady decided to come in to our afternoon worship service one time. She was on her way to the pool. She was wearing pool attire, attire that for for her estimation, not mine, that for her estimation is appropriate to go to the pool. And when she decided to make a detour and go into church, it struck her the moment she walked in that her, honestly, I can't remember if it was a one-piece or a two-piece or whatever. It's been a decade or more ago. But she looked around and noticed that nobody else was dressed that way, and you, you could see the light diminish, that she just sank. And thankfully, we had a very gracious person that walked up and made her feel as welcome as she could possibly. But in that moment, you could just see in her body language of, I don't belong here. So and you had somebody loving enough in your congregation to walk up to her and say, we value who you are. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. that's amazing. That it, your value is more than the fact that we might see a difference in our apparel. That's right. And, you know, I can only imagine on such a, a, a bigger level what the woman in John 8 may be feeling. If she was caught in the act. Caught in the act of adultery brought before all of these people in, a, in a, a very holy place, even if it's not the most holy of holies or the holy place inside the temple proper. But yeah, that, that visual of watching that woman kind of crumple uh, right. was powerful. Shame, guilt, and looking at the crowd, the crowd is probably, even though they're listening to Jesus, probably immediately makes a snap judgment oh, on her. Absolutely. Oh, I can't imagine. They must have thought. Mm. And then the Pharisees or, you know, the religious leaders who bring her to the feet of Jesus, uh, they, they saw her worth only as a means to an end to win an argument. Right. She's not even human, really, in this no. encounter. She's just am ammo. Absolutely. She's cannon fodder. And the way that Jesus addresses the situation is phenomenal. I don't know what I would do. I don't know how I would express my love for the situation. I know that I've made snap judgments before. Mm -hmm. And I think he saw within her a feeling of complete worthlessness. Mm-hmm. Complete worthlessness. As a little tangent, speaking of, of money and value, if this has helped me, if you take a $100 bill crisp from the bank and show it to somebody and ask them how much is this worth, 
will tell you it's a hundred dollars mm-hmm. and there's maybe some abstract answers that we could come up with or what's what's a hundred dollars worth but I know somebody of an older generation would would say well not as much today as it used to be <laughs> <laughs> and that and that's accurate yeah and if you take that hundred dollar bill and and crinkle it up in your hand and then you unfold it and ask the same person uh, what's this worth they're going to tell you it's it's a hundred dollars yeah now just completely wildly say something about that hundred dollar bill oh it doesn't look as good as it used to oh look it's all crinkled up oh look at what it's been through mm-hmm. now ask yourself again how much is that hundred dollar bill worth that's worth a hundred dollars mm-hmm and I think we get thrown to the ground. We get things said about us like this woman. And, and in this case, she was guilty, right? Right. She was guilty. Right. And the sad thing is, although they caught her, they didn't move to help her. They didn't right. ask if she was sorry. They, they didn't ask, what can we do to help in this situation? Yeah. They just immediately jumped to, hey, this is a great opportunity to try and disprove who Jesus is before the masses. Mm-hmm. But she was still worth the same mm-hmm. to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I know as one who has experienced sin and one who has helped people who are in sin, that when we feel ourselves caught in sin, we don't feel like we are worth what we started out being worth sometimes maybe as we exited the waters of baptism we felt like a crisp 100 dollars bill mm-hmm. but due to our own sin or sometimes just through things that we go through we might not feel like a hundred dollars yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. might, we might feel like our value has diminished yeah. but jesus actually attaches the same worth to this woman who's in the dirt as to the people who he was teaching and as to the Pharisees mm-hmm. that brought this woman to Jesus. We, we are of the same value and worth to him, which is why he taught in parables and why he went out and, and found uh, the one that was lost because mm-hmm. his, his value on each and every one of us is just the same. Yeah, yeah. You know, your analogy of, of money uh, can be extended in that not everybody will accept a $100 bill once it looks a certain way. Even though it has the same value to the one, the U.S. Treasury Department, to the bank, uh, you take a $100 bill that's been tore or ripped or part of it's missing, and some people say, that, that means nothing to me now. That's right. And so, But you're guaranteed, like I think it's on the note, that you, you're guaranteed up to 50%, I think, if it's cut off, you can take it to the bank and get a something fresh for it. And yet, because and so what I'm trying to get at is sometimes, even when others, the value is completely diminished in money, the, the source of where the money came from, it's, it's true regardless of whether somebody will, will accept it or not. So maybe that's another angle on this idea of, of worth to the soul is that even when others are rejecting it, the source that we're stamped in the image of received it back 
as it was meant meant to be. There is no denying that some people see worth in something that others don't see worth in. <laughs> Maybe it's a, a an old vehicle that yeah. <laughs> has been passed through your family that mm-hmm. uh, your your grandparents drove, mm-hmm. but you. Your neighbor sees it in the driveway and thinks it's a piece of junk. Right. But, but you see that and you think, man, I remember when I was young with my grandparents and they drove that vehicle and it has sentimental mm-hmm. value. So something mm-hmm. might have a worth or value to us that's uh, somebody else. And uh, we can oftentimes give a lot of money for something that might be more valuable to us than it is to some someone else. And so the way that we can say how much are we worth the answer to the question is the father sent his one and only son Mm -hmm. our our worth is determined by what god gave for us yeah and so he he canceled out that debt that was owed by the sinless life of the lamb who was worthy to do that because he was without sin he could take our place and so our value is determined by what the Father gave for us. Mm-hmm. So if we ever have a question when we wake up in the morning, how much am I worth? We don't, we don't open our phone unless we're turning to Scripture to read about how much he loved us, mm-hmm. that he gave his one and only son to save us. And mm-hmm. that's what determines our worth. Amen. Now, in this situation that we're talking about, just to kind of, look at a unique approach to handling the situation jesus when he's questioned you know what what do you say about this what are you going to do about her and it it tells us a lot about jesus that they knew that this would somehow pose an opportunity to trap jesus Mm -hmm. (laughs) they they knew how compassionate he was and so it in, in in john sharing this i think he's letting us know some insight into the mind of the religious leaders that they knew if we bring somebody who's caught in sin before Jesus, Mm. it's, it's going to potentially pose a conflict between the law because they knew how compassionate Jesus was, Mm -hmm. but they thought now we've really got him here because we've caught her in the act. And if he says that she should be forgiven, then He's a lawbreaker because he's going to break the law and the Messiah can't break the law. And therefore, if the if he breaks the law, he can't be the Messiah and we're in charge again. Right. That's sort of what they're looking for. Right. And Jesus, in his beautiful way of teaching, doesn't respond immediately to their question because their question isn't sincere. Right. If he had responded the other way, what would they have gained? Because you give us that one side. Uh, if he's compassionate, we'll get him as a lawbreaker. Mm-hmm. What if he comes down hard on the woman with Deuteronomy says stoner? What you know? What would be, what would be their angle in him keeping the law? What would be their angle? And if Jesus accepted their terms and condemned the woman. Well, you'll have to come back next week to find out what Kevin says in response to that. And as we continue in this conversation about worthiness and considering all of the characters in this narrative, all the people from the woman caught in adultery to the religious leaders to the crowd, 
I hope that this conversation on worthiness is helpful just to sit and talk about from the scriptures the way that we view ourselves and the way that Jesus views us. So come back next week. You want to catch the second part of this for sure. Uh, I really enjoyed having this conversation with Kevin in studio, and I think you'll enjoy listening to it as well. You know, you can always write me at pureandsimplebible at gmail.com if there was ever something you wanted to hear on the podcast. So if you have a specific scripture or a topic or something from the Bible that you would like for me and a guest to talk about, then please holler at me. Let me know what you'd like for us to discuss. And until the next one is available, you can always go to the website, check out all of the free downloadable resources that are there that encourage and promote Bible study in your life with the people that you care about. So check it out at pureandsimplebible.com. Until next week, this is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much. And I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true. About a judge by the name of Gideon, he was a man like me and you.